my thoughts on this are why do kindness and competence have to be two qualities that are mutually exclusive? Hello and welcome to A Doctor's View, a podcast looking at everyday health topics and life through a doctor's eyes. Please note that all opinions are my own and should not replace the advice given to you by your own doctor. I'm Dr. Bolivios. Let's begin. Hello everyone and welcome to Doctor's View. It's been a little while since I've done a podcast on my own perspective of something within medicine so I wanted this week to talk about professionalism as a doctor and also bullying in the workplace. I've noticed quite a few Twitter posts and conversations relating to what doctors should wear at work and also the different sides of the discussion. Some people are saying that it makes no difference if a doctor is more casual. If they're a good doctor, that's all that matters. And others are saying that a doctor should be smart, be it shirt, tie, blouse and skirt and so on. I have a very firm stance on my thoughts on the matter. I'm of the opinion that doctors should be smart, as in formal smart. So I will always do my best going to work with a shirt and tie. Now, I often get teased a little from people in a nice way, I might add, about the fact that I go in wearing a shirt and tie only to change into scrubs a few minutes later. And yes, I, I can see their point. And my views on this are mainly for those working on the wards rather than theatres or A&E. But I do try and see patients safer on elective theatre list before I change. So for me, it has value. And my views on this are perhaps old fashioned. But I feel that we are professionals and we owe it out of respect and courtesy to our patients to dress like professionals. And I believe the difference can be quite profound. So anecdotally, when I started my first ever job on a ward, I always dressed formally. I would roll up my sleeves, tuck my tie into a piece of the powers that be, and I did so every single day. And the trust I was working with for at the time, they had introduced a polo shirt for doctors to wear on the ward. They had a plain colour and they had the trust logo on one side, a small logo on the other that said doctor. And in my opinion, they looked cheap and nasty. But I bought one and decided after a few months of dressing formally to give it a go. When I did, I noticed quite a change in patients' behaviour towards me and not in a good way. It went from being complimented and thanked one day by a family for taking time to explain everything that was happening to their relative. That was when I dressed formally with my tie. To being asked by another patient and their relative if I was actually a doctor when I was wearing the polo shirt. And this was despite introducing myself as a doctor, having the word doctor on my polo shirt and a stethoscope around my neck. Now, I understand this was only one example, and and I may have been questioned if I was actually a doctor, even if I was dressed smartly. But I genuinely felt that it was what I was wearing that really impacted the situation. And the whole time I was wearing this polo shirt, I just didn't feel comfortable for me. And... I went back to wearing my shirt and tie the next day and I never wore my polo shirt ever again. Actually, I, I, I lie. I did wear it again, but not in the hospital. It turns out it makes a very good DIY and painting top. And there have actually been a large number of studies in the past where photos of doctors were shown in white coats, shirt, tie, blouse, skirt, scrubs, and also t-shirts and casual wear. And the majority of studies showed that Patients preferred doctors in white coats, followed by formal wear. 
And one of these studies even showed that white coats instilled the most confident in 76% of people, with only 4.5% actually choosing those in casual wear. And yes, there is an argument for approachability and compassion. But the way I see it is, surely any reservation that a patient may have on a doctor's compassion can be dispelled with demeanour, body language, and of course, verbal skills. And of course, it could be argued back that any reservations about a doctor's professionalism could be dispelled in the same way. I just feel that it's harder to achieve this once a patient has made a judgment on you. For example, when I was at med school, the bare below the elbows rule came into force. And for those outside the UK, it's essentially a rule that we must have our sleeves rolled up and not wear watches, jewellery, etc. for infection prevention despite there being absolutely no evidence that this works, by the way. I remember a patient, an old lady, and she was having an argument with a consultant because she wouldn't believe that he was a consultant. And her argument was that consultants wear suits, not rolled up shirt sleeves. And I know that's an extreme example, but it it did happen. And it shows that it is important to some patients what people wear in terms of identifying them. And I know I'm not alone in this way of thinking. I was uh, stopped by a hospital worker the other day, someone non-clinical. And she said, it's so nice to see that you're wearing a shirt and looking smart. When a doctor wears jeans, I don't think they're taking their job seriously, irrespective of how good they are. You're a professional and you should look like a professional. And they were her words. Now, I'm in no way questioning someone's ability as a doctor because of what they wear. But let's use this as an example. I'm sure a pilot can fly a plane just as well in shorts, t-shirts and sandals. But would I think they were taking their job seriously? Probably not. And Facebook, for example, it's a company where you can wear whatever you want to work and be as casual as you want. They take pride in that. But when the CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, had to testify before a US Congress regarding a data privacy scandal a couple of years ago, he wore a suit. He wanted to be taken seriously. Another compelling reason why I dress smartly for work is because not only does putting on something I wouldn't normally wear outside of work prepare my mindset for work, but actually when I finish work and I come home and I change out of my work clothes into casual clothes, I know that's the time I can relax. It just helps me unwind and switch off for the evening. And on the topic of professionalism, another discussion that arises all the time is whether or not you should introduce yourself to patients by your first name or by Dr. So-and-so. Again, I have my views on the matter and that is I always introduce myself as Dr. Bolivios. If a patient looks at my badge and calls me by a first name, that's fine. Of course, I'm not going to correct them. For this, I probably receive more criticism, say, than for my views on on attire within the workplace. But I stand by my viewpoint as I think introducing yourself as a doctor is very important. I think it's the professional and courteous thing to do. In the same way as I will always address a patient as Mr. or Mrs. Smith, unless they ask me not to. And the argument against doing so is that people often tell me that you're breaking down barriers and you're being far more friendly. My opinion is that there has to be a line, a doctor-patient relationship. 
the patient is not my friend. They're my patient and they're someone that I have a professional obligation to and a responsibility to treat. My friends have my phone number and they send me birthday cards. So as for breaking down barriers and friendliness, I don't think the key to this is by introducing yourself as by your first name. You do so, as I said before, using your communication skills, your language, empathy, body language, and by being polite. In that regard, I guarantee if you've ever received a letter from a hospital or a GP, it will start off with, Dear Mr. Smith or Dear Mrs. Jones, and not, Hi, Karen. It's just not professional. And I think that should be carried over in the way we talk to our patients on a daily basis. The other reason why I always introduce myself as doctor is, again, for the benefit of the patient. The number of times I've been to see a patient and they say, oh, you're the first doctor I've seen. I've been here for five hours. And I'll say something like, but you've just seen the surgeon. And their response will be like, oh, Jim, yes, yes, of course. I didn't realise I believe it's important not just to establish a healthy professional relationship, but also for the benefit of the patient so they know who they are speaking to. One of the reasons why I wanted to cover this topic, aside from reading a few heated Twitter debates recently, is that I'm aware some medical students listen to this podcast. And I want them to ask themselves, what type of doctor do you want to be? I know you may disagree entirely with everything I've said, And that's completely normal. We all have different opinions and what a boring world it would be if we all had the same thoughts and shared the same views. I can only give my opinion. My final thoughts on the matter is that we should not be treating medicine like it's a casual hobby. It's not our hobby. It's a profession. We should dress like a professional, act like a professional and talk to patients like a professional because... Whilst you think you're going for a certain casual look or approachability, actually, to a good few patients, you're not relaxed, cool, relatable, approachable. Actually, you're just scruffy. And the bottom line is, it's about the patient, not about your ability to exercise an agenda on freedom of speech and equality. And we must remember that the majority of patients within the hospital are of a generation where they respect formality and they want a professional to act in a certain way. But like I say, you may disagree entirely with me, absolutely fine. Moving on, but following on from professionalism is another topic I would like to cover today and this is more of a serious topic and that is bullying within the workplace. And I believe The hierarchy system has to exist within a hospital for sustainability, leadership and guidance and above all patient safety. But there is a fine line between hierarchy and abuse of power. And before I go on, I I want to make it very, very clear that my experiences are in no way a reflection of where I work now or the people that I have and work within anaesthetics. I've actually got nothing but praise for the specialty and in all the places I've had the privilege of working at. My experiences are in fact based on a few years ago and they actually helped influence my decision to leave my specialty and pursue a career in anaesthetics. And I'll start by saying that every junior doctor is able to relate to an episode where they have been on the receiving end of a senior's voice. And we often hear about the effectiveness of training by humiliation and how being shouted at will make us better doctors. 
But when a trainee is sworn at for holding a surgical instrument incorrectly or simply standing badly, this isn't training, this is bullying. And learning, by definition, implies that trainees do not possess the same level of knowledge as their teachers. Like learning to play a musical instrument, for example, we can't be expected to play a new piece of music faultlessly on on your first attempt. And being victimised and embarrassed for each mistake that you make does not make a trainee perform that task correctly the next time. What it actually does is it makes someone simply not want to try for fear of getting it wrong. And continued victimisation through verbal abuse cannot be classed as a training tool. It's simply a reflection on the abuser's personality, rudeness and overall just lack of professionalism. And my view is medicine like the military, and as I've said, relies on a hierarchy system to be both safe and efficient. But unlike the military, this is this should not translate to a profession where employees are scared to go to work each morning for fear of being shouted at or humiliated at, by their seniors. We're doctors working in a healthcare profession, not soldiers in a boot camp training for war. If a doctor does not possess the ability to articulate their instructions or criticisms without raising their voice or using foul language, then they perhaps they should be required to go and attend communication skill workshops before being allowed to talk to patients, maybe. And it can be argued that many who are taught in this manner become brilliant doctors, and many who teach in this manner are brilliant doctors, and I have seen that firsthand. And this way may well be true, but My thoughts on this are, why do kindness and competence have to be two qualities that are mutually exclusive? And thankfully, I've met many people, even within different specialties, who are both kind physicians, caring physicians, and who actually share both these characteristics and were fantastic doctors as well. And poor training is not limited to simply poor teaching techniques, but actually a lack of appreciation as well. And after a typical night shift, no one ever says, or at least I found, no one would say, thank you for saving the patient who was in peri-arrest. Thank you for seeing the 12 admissions overnight and clerking them in. Thank you for helping resolve the patient's acute renal failure. Thank you for ensuring all the pre-ops had their bloods taken and being marked and consented. Thank you for placing a patient on the emergency list in the morning in case they needed an operation. Thank you for treating the patient with high potassium. Thank you for speaking to the family of the critically ill patient. And of course, thank you for not waking me. Instead, we receive in an angry tone, the admissions list isn't in ward order. And that's not good enough. I'll end by saying that no junior doctor expects companionship from their seniors. However, compassion and respect are qualities that one would expect all healthcare professionals to have. And there'll be many who feel that the way they were taught should influence the way that they teach. And all I'll say is, regarding my previous experiences, I will use that as an example of what not to do. So if you are a senior clinician listening to this and wondering about your teaching techniques, all I can say from personal experience is think about the way that you talk to trainees because it does influence their 
choices in life and it does also influence their mental health status as well. And if you're a medical student, like I say, decide what type of doctor you would like to be. And with that, I will leave you for this week. If there is a topic that you'd like me to discuss on future shows, please do email me at doctorsview at gmail.com or direct message me on Twitter at drbolivios. And if you'd like some behind the scenes photos, you can follow me on Instagram at doctorsview. As always, look after yourself and I'll join you again next time. I'm Dr. Bolivios. Goodbye. <laughs>